But going back to our points in the last two to three minutes, it all points to one thing that we as human beings want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's what stories stories allow for us, mm-hmm. right? Through that connection that is made, <clears throat> both from a physical standpoint where the brains are lining up in the same areas to feeling like we're participating in the story because we're dealing with emotions that we have felt ourselves in our life. Right. From that perspective, it's... It's one thing to be present in the moment with a group of people and feeling a connectedness by just being there. But then you relive those moments later on in life with mm-hmm. the same people through the telling of a story of that event. Right. And not only that, you may get 10, 12, 15, depending, 20, depending on the size of the crowd that was there, different perspectives. Right. Or different viewpoints of what happened in this physical event that occurred. To include all the emotions that were there. It's exactly why, you know, groups of friends get together to reflect on old times or Mm -hmm. things like that. And those stories are told because it brings back that connection and makes that group even more cohesive or rekindles old friendships. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Andy McDowell, founder of Generate Your Value. And with me today is my co-host, Zach Levy. How are you? I am great. Good morning. Great to be back after the holidays and the new year. Yeah. (laughs) From your stories, it sounds like it was sort of up and down for you. I was up and down. (laughs) (laughs) So, family vacation turned to wanting to not be here. Yeah. (laughs) But it's always fun when everybody gets sick on a family vacation. Yeah. But yeah. And non so, non COVID sick. Non COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of puts a damper on things. Understand that. So today our episode's going to be about storytelling. Storytelling is a very important skill in the role of leadership, and we'll get into the reason why. We're gonna sort of stay away from more of the personal side or the Disney aspects of storytelling, but We'll touch on it a little bit in the first part of our segment today, but the, we're trying to focus on a leadership perspective. What, what is the importance of storytelling for a leader with their team from that perspective? So started off, we've had many episodes talking about why and the importance of why 
in a business and for a lead in order to get engagement and connection with the team. And storytelling is a powerful tool that you can use to get that connectiveness with your team, engagement in the why of what you're doing, whether it, you're looking at the whole company in general or for a specific project or a specific strategy within the company. So why do you think that is, Zach? Well, I mean, first from, I mean, pulling from the article that we are, I think we can lead off with a quote from Jonathan Gottschall. We are as a species addicted to story. Even the body goes to sleep. The mind stays up all night telling itself stories. Right. So mm-hmm. what does that tell us? It's that, you know, communication and coming from, you know, the sales world, this applies as well, but it can all, it applies very well to leadership that facts tell, but stories sell. Right. Right. And our role as a business leader, business owner, business leader, management, whatever it may be, if you're in a leadership position, you're, you're always selling the why or the purpose or the mission to your team. Right. Right. To your business to help them get behind the mission, get behind the why and follow what we're going after. So if we just say, well, we need to do this, 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 and this, that's just facts. If we just use statistics and facts, that's not really telling a story. It's going to give them knowledge, but it's not going to make them feel connected. Yeah. And it's an article that we're pulling from states it's because the story hits that part of our brain that creates oxytocin which is the feel good hormone within within our body right right so it na- naturally releases the the feel good hormone we we all like a good story we all like a good disney movie we all like crime drama on tv or whatever T- television movies is just full right. of stories and the biggest reason of that is that we can start relating to the characters in the story and it starts creating oxytocin in our brain. Right. From that perspective. You know, one of the pieces in the article talks about, you know, when we hear facts or, you know, our fed data, it, it activates the data processing centers in our brain. Whereas stories act actively activate that's redundant, but they activate our sensory areas in our brain. Yeah, which then leads to the emotional side of the brain. Right. So there's actually, I mean, we're humans, human beings are beings of feeling, emotion. Connection. Connection, right? Mm-hmm. And so when those, you know, instead of just data processing centers, which is basically the the filing system of our brain, imagine it's just, you know, I kind of get a visual of, just a bunch of file cabinets with a bunch of pieces of paper in it. Whereas the, the sensory areas of the brain, we're actually feeling, we're actually connecting because emotion is what makes us feel connected in a relationship. It's, right. you know, it's love. It's that emotional connection. And so through telling stories and creating that sensory feeling, it, it creates a feeling in the brain of actually being a part of that story. Yeah. Like Not, we're almost sitting right in the middle of it. Right. I mean, I I think that's why people enjoy movies and TV shows that have great character development in it because they, they're feeling all those emotions and feel like they're almost standing there participating in the story because of that connectedness with the emotions. And it's the same. I mean, I'm not, 
usually much of a reader, right? Mm-hmm. I, especially if it's dry material, data, things like that. But even if they've been the best self-development books, things like that, leadership books I've read, are ones that tell lessons through stories. If we look into even historical texts like in in religious texts like the Bible, right? There, Jesus uses parables to teach, not just facts, not just mm-hmm. do this, but here's a parable to tell you right. why and make, make it a real life situation that we connect with instead of just saying, hey, do this or do that, or here's some data, so we should act on it. And in the personal development books, the ones that get a, b- a bigger following are those where the authors are vulnerable about their own stories. Right. And, and so are connecting the reader to them from that perspective. And so the, the lessons learned through their teachings, which some of it can be facts and figures and whatever, but it's also stories. Right. And so they're able to bring that emotion into themselves with the, with the ideas and thoughts that are trying to be passed on to the person mm-hmm. from that perspective, as opposed to just saying, I don't know. It's a book about it deals with emotions or whatever. You're just describing what the emotion is and how you might get rid of it if you don't want it and those type of things that are all just sort of factual in nature. It's kind of, oh, okay, that's nice. Nice to know these things, but do you really ingrain it into changing your behavior, your thought patterns to get the effect that you want? I think it's going to be less successful than it is one where the the reader can connect to the emotions and the vulnerability and the stories that the, the author writes. Right. And on that note, what I find what's really interesting in this article that that pops out, we, we've talked about this briefly before we you know started recording, but when there's that connection, right, it you know, it's not just symbolic, but it's actually a physiological connection that is felt in the brain. So researchers found team of neuroscientists, researchers found that when a good story is told, a well-told story, when listening to it, the the brain actually activates in the same way in the listener as it does in the storyteller. Mm-hmm. So they're literally feeling the same connection, the same emotion about that story in the same ways. So in a way, it brings them together in a, you know, kind of a mental oneness in that story, if you will. In a physio- physiological way. Right. You're both go- traveling through the same experience, the same feeling, the same emotions, which is lighting up the same areas of the brain. Right. And you both, both, you know, maybe a one-to-one or one-to-many presentation of the story, but everybody is walking away having participated in the same story and with the same experience. And from that, you're just literally on the same page. Mm-hmm so to speak, because of that. And I don't think most people realize that. I mean, they're used to hearing stories and feeling connected, but to actually dive into the mechanics, if you will, of it, I don't think many people put much thought to that. I mean, just like we said, and the the examples of well-written books, well-written stories, whether it be fiction, nonfiction, self-development, the most popular are the ones that when you read them, you actually almost are sitting in the middle of the picture that's being painted. Mm-hmm. Right. The movie actually plays out in the, in the book and you could vividly see it almost, you know, feel it, touch it, taste it kind of 
idea, right? Yeah, in some some respects, um, when we're sleeping in the middle of the night and we're having dreams, sometimes the story doesn't make sense to us, but in some ways it is a story. Right. That you are actively participating in, because whether it's, it's a common one of your teeth falling out or being chased or something of that nature, you are participating in that story, right? So you well, feel I mean, a connection to it. It's back to that quote. It's, I mean, we're so... We're such story-driven and emotional-driven beings that that's our brain telling us stories while we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So, and it's often, I've I've read different studies and things, dreams are often our brains, you know, actively trying to figure out solutions to problems and things like that just in a very abstract way to where we actually feel emotion about it. Some way creative. Right. Way. But going back to our points in the last two to three minutes, it all points to one thing that we as human beings want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's what stories, stories allow for us, Mm -hmm. right? Through that connection that is made both from a physical standpoint where the brains are lining up in the same areas to feel like we're participating in the story because we're dealing with emotions that we have felt ourselves in our life. Right. From that perspective, it's it's one thing to be present in the moment with a group of people and feeling the connectedness by just being there. But then you relive those moments later on in life with mm-hmm. the same people through the telling of a story of that event. Right. And not only that, you may get... 10, 12, 15, depending, 20, depending on the size of the crowd that was their different perspectives. Right. Or different viewpoints of what happened in this physical event that occurred to include well, all the emotions that were there. It's exactly why, you know, groups of friends get together to reflect on old times or mm-hmm. things like that. And those stories are told because it brings back that connection and makes that group even more cohesive or rekindles old friendships. And when you're doing it with, family, like a mother or father is telling a story about their growing up in which their parents and their grandparents participated in, you're telling a story and somewhat passing history and tradition down to your children Mm -hmm. because you're getting them to connect through the stories you're telling of your time with your parents and grandparents, et cetera. They're now feeling connected to history, genetics, and tradition. Right. Or By one, the fact that you are telling those stories instead of telling those, not telling those stories and letting them sit in mm-hmm. history, and therefore your children can't get the connectedness to the bigger family over the years. Right. And one might even, you know, say that that builds a culture, right? Mm-hmm. That storytelling builds a culture. It tells, you know, if you're telling a story of the beginning, where we started out, why, right? Like always start with why. You tell that story and it can create a culture that lasts for decades and decades or even longer from the tradition that is found in that story. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the things I always practice is the story of, you know, why we got started in general and that really, it connects people. So, you know, when we get into... We can't, we've kind of figured out the why of storytelling, right? It it creates that connection. If you're leading a team, it it gets them bought in. It makes 
it feel like one body working together. Right. Right. Because we're literally feeling, like we said, feeling that physiological connection with between the listener and the storyteller. Yeah. So if, you, if you're trying to pass on like a strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay, executives have met and they want us to do the strategy. You have you have a choice, right? You can either one say, "Okay, here's our new strategy and here's the facts behind it. We're going to do A, B, C, D, and E. Now go do it." Or you can present it as a story where you're helping to bring in the why or the background behind it, right? Right. This is this is where we're at in the industry. This is happening in the industry, and you start bringing in the why elements of why this strategy was developed. And you're telling it as a story. Now, all of a sudden, you've got people bought in, engaged, understanding the background because you presented it in a storytelling style. And now they're engaged and ready to roll mm-hmm. out as opposed to walking back to their desk, scratching their head with all these questions, and you haven't answered it. Right. So now there's confusion. There's no buy-in. There's I don't quite get this. You know, I'm not going to put a lot of energy into this, et cetera, et cetera. So-, so- <laughs> so the biggest question out there is, okay, well, we need to tell stories, but how do we tell an effective story? What is a well-told story that can create that connectedness, that can relay the information that we want to in an effective way to where people buy into it? Right. So I read a book, still sits on my shelf, called The Leader's Guide to Storytelling by uh, Stephen Denning, which I highly recommend to everybody. And so we pulled out what he feels like is the four main qualities or items you should think about when you're developing, when you have an important point you're trying to make to your team and you're gathering everybody together and you need to tell a story, these are the four elements that should be used in helping to develop and and tell that story, that business story to your team. So why don't you take the first one? So, I mean, number one is, Really the how, the style of how you tell that story. So number one, it doesn't matter if you're talking to one person. So, you know, if it's just me and you, Andy, mm-hmm. or if we're talking to a crowd of a thousand people in an, in an auditorium right, or a stadium, always, always, always tell that story like you're talking to one person because you can't, you can't tell the story to a crowd. You have to tell it to each individual, right? Because that's where the connection comes in. Yeah, first of all, they're right. human, so they want to be seen. Right. Two, they're asking themselves, how do I fit into this? And if you can present it in a style, it makes it f- they feel like they're talking directly to you, then mm-hmm. you're going to get, then you're going to be able to put yourself in the story. All the things we just talked about last 15 minutes. Put yourself in the story, have that connectedness, light up the same areas of your brain, et cetera, as opposed to talking in real high general terms and you're, not answering the question of how do I fit into this right perspective. That almost has to be a subconscious undertone, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. of the story, right? Right. And then one of my favorite acronyms has always been KISS. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Right. <laughs> and so that story's got to be very, very focused on the why and the point of that story, not a lot of tangents and complexity, but, you know, focused, simple, and a clear, concise why behind it, right? Which, in all honesty, my ADD brain struggles with, <laughs> right? It, it, we get off on a bunch of tangents, and that's not going to create a 
cohesive why, right? It's not going to be focused just because then you're like, okay, well, they're over here, they're over here. And you're going to get some people that pick up on different points if you've got multiple legs to that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, if you go down five separate legs on a, on a stool, you're going to lose people. Right. A, it's going to be too long. And B, you're making it hard for them to connect the dots logically. You know, it's not mm-hmm. to stay in storytelling that it's all emotion and all logic. Factual things go away. It doesn't. They're, they're, they have a place in telling of the story. Mm-hmm. And so people need to understand the logic and the points that you're making and how they all connect to each other. But then also to bring in the emotional piece too. So there needs to be balance between the two whenever you tell a good story. And if you don't keep it focused, simple, and clear, you're chasing them all over the map, so to speak, and they're getting lost logically. And then all of a sudden, the emotions you're turning on is frustration and (laughs) worry and all those type things as opposed to really feeling like they're part of the story. Third item is something of, of value in itself. You know, the the story unto itself has value. Nobody's walking away. This sort of goes, goes to the last point, right? Right. People are walking away and, and felt value out of the story, that they spent some time, you know, as you and I have talked about, that valuable resource that we have in our lives, time. Mm-hmm. They invested time to listen to your story, and are they walking away with a sense of value out of the story itself or not. Right. If if they feel like it's a complete waste of time, it's like go in one year out the other and whatever, that was a complete waste of time because he or she wasn't able to connect dots, didn't get the right emotions out of it, and, and they're scratching their heads. And it's just like, why did we do this? Right. <laughs> it just seemed like a... A waste of time, and there was no value in that effort or in that story from that perspective. So, to me, those two sort of go hand in hand. The, the focus, simple and clear, and the story unto itself has value uh, and worth the time to sit and listen and somewhat emotionally, virtually participate in it. Well, and another point is the the audience that you're speaking to, whether it be one person again or a large crowd, each individual has to play a part as a hero in that story as well. They have to be able mm-hmm. to see themselves as one of the active heroes in that story. They have to have a purpose. Or they could fit in somewhere. I mean, right. they may not actively be stated as a participant in it, but they could see themselves participating in it. Right. They, they right. have they to know that easily they fit into worth. it. Right. Right. So in the, the biggest, I see, you know, I've seen a lot of people come up and then, they they get up to tell a story, they get up to make a speech, and they just change personalities. And I think yeah, they feel the like they have to be the talking that, head, right? Is what I call it, you know, or they have to the use showman or showwoman, showwoman, news anchor voice, right? I've seen Something them all. completely different, right? <laughs> right. Now all of a sudden that becomes such a distraction because they're so different. It's like, why is he or she up there doing that? You know right. that the the story gets lost in the distraction. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing is, and I've learned this from personal experience because I used to try to, you know, get on a call, Zoom call, Zoom meetings, or even in person. And, you know, you you try to become somebody you're not to impress, Mm -hmm. right? You try to emulate somebody else when 
really people receive a story better. If you're just yourself, you're, you know, a little bit more loose, go with the flow, able to laugh at yourself yep. throughout the story. People resonate with that much, much better because people can smell a phony a mile away. Well, you're relatable. Right. They, they feel like they can connect with you because once again, they could see themselves in your position right. as a storyteller or your position in terms of a participant in the story, right? If you're using an example of a life experience in your own life as part of the presentation and the storytelling, that that segment of your bigger story, can they relate to it? Right. If you're not being yourself, once again, it's a distraction and they can't relate to it. So you just, you've lost them through the distraction. All right. Second point that uh, Stefan um, makes talks about truth. And, make, and he makes the point truth as you see it. Are you getting that across in the story? Are you believable? Right. Or you're off on tangents again, or you're stating it in such a way that people have questions and walk away scratching their head, and I don't think he's being truthful in that. Right. I mean, it's got to make sense to be based in reality, number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, it can't seem far fetched, right? If you're bringing if you're bringing facts into it, you know, let's say for example, you're talking about where the company is positioned in the marketplace, and you're describing something that is totally way off base, or is not reported in the news, or things like that. Then all of a sudden, honesty and truthfulness comes into question, and you've lost them once again. It's another form of abstraction. And therefore, they're not going to emotionally put themselves into the story. The third item that Stefan talks about is in the preparation of developing your story. So the point that he makes is be prepared, but don't be so prepared that you come across as stiff and overthinking and those type things. That be prepared to tell your story and have your main points in mind, but also bring some spontaneity to the telling of the story, right? Right. Once again, that brings what? More connectiveness, more empathy, more compassion, more understanding of the story. If they feel like you're being present in the moment and having a little spontaneity to it, as opposed to you wrote the whole story down on a piece of paper and you're just standing there reading the story. Right. Doesn't help to draw anybody in. Well, it doesn't seem like it's your story. It doesn't seem like you've lived it. It just seems like something that you might have pulled off, you know, off. Yeah, you could have cut and pasted it from somewhere. Exactly. You you could be, you know, higher level executives can put out sort of like a PR release of, okay, here's our new strategy, here's talking points. So forth and so on. You just print that out and walk out and just read it verbatim. Mm-hmm. There's no sense of ownership, truth, emotions, or anything in it, or even speaking it from your truth, right? Or even admitting to say, okay, here the executives have laid out this strategy. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you, team. I, I can buy into 80, 90% of this. But to be very truthful in it with you and telling the story, I have problems with this 10%. Here's the reasons why. 
and I'm going to take this 10% and have a conversation with my boss about this to try and understand it better. And maybe that 10% will become turn to 90 and 100 after I understand mm-hmm. this better or understanding the reasoning behind this or whatever. But you're being truthful and honest to them, and that's going to make them more engaged and more connected with you. Right. All right, what's the last item? The, I think one of the, you know, beyond that is once we have these contributing factors, style, making sure we tell our truth in this story, but and then being prepared, not just completely winging it, right? Making sure that we, you know, that our delivery packs a punch, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's in person, especially if we're speaking to a crowd, not just, you know, if you've ever seen a speaker, right? You're sitting in the crowd and they're standing behind the podium the entire time, just their hands on the podium, no body language, still as a robot, just speaking into the mic, no real emotion because our body motion or our body language actually dictates how we emote when we speak as well. I mean, one of the biggest things when, you know, learning to do professional calls to client prospects and things like that is actually smile when you talk on the phone. Mm-hmm. It seems completely silly. Right. Cause they can't see you, but your smile is actually heard through your voice. Right. Right. And so it's the same thing actually, you know, be energetic with your body, walk out from behind the podium, get out there because that actually engages the audience. It puts you more in front of them. That podium's a separator, right? Right. And so they're not going to feel the same connection if you're just standing there, not to mention the emotion's not going to be the same. The energy isn't going to be the same. Well, you and I sitting on this podcast, we're not a bunch of robots, right? So it's you and I having a conversation. We're both gesturing at each other, both smiling at each other and so forth in hopes that that gets across in the podcast, but nobody can see us. They right. just get the audio. Right. You know, but it does have an impact on the way our messaging, our episode, the stories that we tell on this podcast and so forth come across. Right. To your point. And a lot of the same things are going to apply when you're in person, when people can see you or can't. The energy and the delivery is dictated by our physiological side, right? By what we do, because our brain's going to, relate all of it at one time, mm-hmm. right? It's almost as if our brain doesn't know whether we're in front of somebody or not. Cause I mean, heck, even when I'm on a phone call, I'm pacing and using my hands talking. Oh, know, me too. <laughs> right. I can't, I can't sit still and talk to somebody. Right. I just, I, it's like almost physiologically impossible for me. I'm either spinning in my chair at least <laughs> or fidgeting with something to get that emotional connection with movement so you know talking to a bunch even one of the biggest one of the hardest things when we transitioned with covid to zoom instead of in person with people especially for like team meetings things like that was Mm -hmm. when you're talking in front of people you can just look out at the audience make direct eye contact with a few people right actually sometimes talk to them by name right use them in examples Mm mm-hmm but then you're on a Zoom and you've got just a bunch of, you know, a Brady Bunch screen with a bunch of people in boxes. <laughs> yeah, sort of like the Brady Bunch. Right. And you're looking at them, but even through that, being able to engage people by name, things like that, to engage all members of the audience. Yeah, you may only right. be seeing 10% of the audience on the right. screen at one time, particularly if you've got 20 or plus more on the call. So, and then... 
going through the list of con- contributing factors to effective delivery, but like we said, gesture, because even if they can't see you, because it may be a conference call, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just like we're gesturing, we both speak with our hands. I don't think we could speak if we tied our hands down, but it makes it, it makes a speech seem more real, right? Just the verbal communication. And then of course you can't sound like whoever the, the monotone actor, I can't think of the name, but. <laughs> yeah, but you, the key element out of this list to me is, is we talked about it before is avoiding the distractions, right? Mm-hmm. So death by PowerPoint, being low energy, not being truthful right. yourself and all those type of things are all distractions that can come about. Right. And so you, you want to be as authentic, authentic, high energy, truthful, and whatever. So you get that connection when everybody walks away and avoid distractions. You know, right. Things like slides with 100 bullet points on one slide where people and can't just read stuff them. and it's just distracting and takes away from listening to you. Well, and we've all sat in a presentation, right? Mm-hmm. It should be a conversation with your audience, not a presentation. Exactly. Right. But we've all sat through a presentation where the presenter was... Talking well, you want the and presentation pulling up the to PowerPoint be, to be an an adjunct or a supporting mechanism to you telling right. your story. It's just a support, and when you when you sit in front of somebody that they're reading through the PowerPoint with mm-hmm. no energy, and mm-hmm. that is their main story. Now you've got a distraction. That's a complete distraction, or pe- the distraction may be sleep. <laughs> right. So. So I think we've completed. Um, this particular topic to, I mean, we could talk for an hour, hour and a half on this particular piece, but just to get the core elements out today with this episode, maybe if we get a lot of listens on this, we'll, we'll do another episode and come into detail with it. But we hope this has been helpful for you to understand the importance of storytelling and leadership. It's more than just business. It's in your life. It's in your relationships and and so forth to tell a story. Even if you're having a conversation with your spouse and you're trying to get them to understand why you're having particular emotions, can you tell tell a story with him or her that gets them to, to understand your viewpoint and your truth and what you're trying to make? So whether you realize it or not, storytelling is an important aspect of being a human being, let alone as a leader. Right. Which is a common core element for our podcast, right? We keep trying to talk about the ways that life and business intersect, interact, and so forth with each other. So we hope you got a lot out of this episode that you'll hit that. Says subscribe, but... We call it a follow button. Yeah. If you did get some nuggets out of this, uh, please share it with your network, whether it be on social media or family or friends or whatever, so they have a chance to listen to it and maybe get the same nuggets out of it that you did. So that would being said, thank you very much for taking time out of your day. We hope you got some value out of it. Use it to go generate value out in this world. And we hope you'll join us next Tuesday. Have a great week. Have a great week and take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. 
For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world. Thank you.